On today's episode, we are back with part two of our series on obsessive compulsive disorder. I hope part one uh, whetted your appetite and left you wanting to know what do I do now that I understand a little better what's going on in the experience of OCD. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I would recommend that you go back to our podcast page or iTunes or wherever you got this podcast and that you listen to that first before you uh, hear what we have today. But either way, I hope you join us. You're listening to CCEF On The Go, a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Here at CCEF, we are committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Hi, my name is Alistair Groves. I'm the host of CCEF On The Go, faculty member at CCEF, and I work in our New England office I'm speaking again today with uh, Dr. Mike Emlett, who spent a number of years in practicing family medicine before coming to CCEF and joining the faculty here. Uh, Mike, glad we are continuing the conversation from our last episode. Glad to be here. Thanks. Let me take about 60 seconds and just recap uh, what we were saying and then kind of launch forward. Our first, uh, our first episode on OCD was really just trying to say, what is it? What's going on in someone who's experiencing this thing we call OCD? And, and we highlighted different categories of thought, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I recommend that you go uh, download that. But, but essentially, we said OCD is the experience of having a thought you can't get out of your head, some sort of compulsive behavior that you do to, to try to get it out of your head that usually gives some kind of temporary relief but, but doesn't solve the problem because it just keeps coming back. And, and it's a, it's a disorder. It, it's something that's really messing with your world. We talked about how there uh, seems to be uh, some kind of biological predisposition or influence from our bodies here. Uh, and, and yet clearly it's connected to matters of, of the heart, matters of fear. Uh, the things you most care about are the things where your OCD is most going to attack you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of our, our last conversation, you were saying... Uh, Essentially, there is this incredible opportunity for those who struggle with OCD to learn in, in very vivid, tangible ways what it really looks like to trust God in the midst of a struggle with, with deep fear of, of bad things that, that could happen when you're, you're, every, every fiber of your being is screaming, mm-hmm. I want control and I want certainty because I need to be safe. Uh, and yet those are things we ultimately only find in the Lord. How do we... As counselors, or, or how do those listening, as people just saying, okay, help me figure this mm-hmm. out for myself, how do we learn what it is to trust God in the face of the experience of, of OCD, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder? So that's where I'm hoping we can go and, and give folks at least a, a couple further pointers. So will you, will you kick us off here? I mean, thoughts on how do we grow in trusting God? What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. Well, I think one of the things to to realize is that it is the trust grows not in, not in a vacuum uh, there's there are and there are several aspects of that i mean there are we grow in trust as we as we encounter the lord through his means of grace so as we as we read and study scripture as we pray those are avenues uh, in which trust grows but then those are the places where 
in the midst of uh, an obsessive thought and, a, and rising anxiety and the, and the temptation to just go do, just clean the table and be done with it and your anxiety will go away, that's the, that's the opportunity, that's the pivot point in terms of taking, in a sense, what we've been studying, meditating on, uh, regarding, for example, the, 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 Lord's, the Lord's care, the Lord's watchfulness over us, Psalm 121, for example, yeah. um, and taking it right into that moment as a, as a pivot point to then, to then go to the Lord. So when I, th- when I think about the, the battle with OCD and growing in trust, I'm thinking almost like a, um, a double helix, two, two strands. One strand being just basic growth and uh, in relationship to the Lord, uh, in terms of what can I, what can I, where can I go in Scripture that that are that are anchor points for me? If I'm, as we were talking about last time, if if it's all up to me, if I if I think I have to make myself safe, then what in Scripture reminds me that? A, I can't do that, and B, there is one who is trustworthy and holds me in the palm of his hand. Mm. Psalm 139 would be another place where, in a sense, I want to I camp out, I want to marinate in the truths that there is one who knows me fully. There is one who is all-powerful. Um, there, uh, there is one who, um, who is with me. He's, he's omnipresent. Those realities then impinge on if you will the then the second strand is what are those what are those times and places where i'm i'm faced with that obsessive thought so sometimes those obsessive thoughts there'll be certain situations that just are like trigger situations they'll bring it in but as i'm working with someone over time i'll want them to actually start to engage those situations you know touch that doorknob that you worry um, mm-hmm. might be contaminated but not just gutting it out but what what have you been what have you been marinating in that points to the goodness and mercy of god that actually is going to help you in that moment as the anxiety rises to turn to the lord to call out to him Based on those realities, those those true realities of uh, of who he is, that will say, I'm going to sit here. I'm I'm actually not going to go get the the um, the the wipe and, and the Clorox wipe and clean this off. I'm going to sit with this anxiety. I'm going to go to the Lord, um, I, and I'm going to call on the one who holds me in the palm of His hand. Yeah. So kind of that that double, double strand, you know. Yeah. It's uh, I'm. Uh, it's in a sense day-to-day um, exposure to to the means of grace, but then, in a sense, exposing myself to those situations that provoke those thoughts and anxieties. And early on, when someone I think is really struggling a lot, you don't have to get ask them to go into situations that provoke it because it's there so much of the time. But I think as you know, as a person has less perhaps of these intrusive thoughts part of that part of that um, battle is then well what how, 
how can you how can you push the envelope a little yeah. bit? Start small. You know what? You know if if there are twenty things that bring on this thought of contamination, for example. Sure. Or um, what's the what's the one that causes a little bit of anxiety but not a great deal? <laughs> versus it, you know what's up here at you know number ten? You know touching the faucets in a public bathroom, nah, well, that's probably not, not going to do that, yeah. you know, initially. Yeah. But that's, that's how I th- think about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I, I, I love your double-strand helix. I also really like your choice of the word pivot. Because um, I, I think one thing that, um, one thing I've talked about with, with people from time to time is just, in, in one sense, OCD really does provide you with this unique and, and I mean, I'll use this word carefully, but wonderful opportunity. Because wherever a person's key struggle is in life, that is the place that the Lord is going to most call and most lead them to know him most deeply and most tangibly. And so anyone can say, oh yes, the Lord is trustworthy, he is good, he is sovereign, he is powerful. Um, if you're not someone who ever struggles a whole lot with fear, you will go through your life ascending to those things in, in principle, but never having to test them deeply. They don't become the life preserver in a raging ocean. They become the life preserver on the side of the cruise ship, which you know would probably hold you if you're ever in the situation where you needed one, you know. And we all fear at times. So everyone tests it out a little bit. But I just, I, I love having watched people who have wrestled and, and the, the quality and the deepening of their faith in God's trustworthiness and his close presence and his ability to keep and hold onto them uh, is is dramatically deepened by the experience of having to meet it mm-hmm. every hour. You know, right. um, I, I think for me one of the one of the things too that's that's been helpful in in reframing people's thinking is um, I think for for a lot of people, and again, this makes sense, right? If if your world is often being shrunk down to the level of I feel like I need this to survive, you know, whether it's germs or whether it's oh, I've had this blasphemous thought or I have this urge to stand up and yell something out in church that was inappropriate and, you know, I'm horrified by, you know, just whatever the case may be, or a sexual thing or an aggressive impulse or, um, you're, you're sort of, you feel like you are just battling to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is, you, you are, you feel like a ticking time bomb as you walk around. And, and so your experience again and again and again throughout the day is, here's this thing that I need to get away from. Here's this thing, I, I, this awful thing that's intruding into my mind, this impulse, this whatever, these germs on the handle, and, and, I'm, and, and, and I feel like to be responsible and to be wise and to be godly even is to respond by moving away and not touching the door handle because it, it's not, that's not a responsible thing to do with my life is to put myself in danger of getting sick. And mm-hmm. on some level, I actually find that most people can they can kind of step back and say, like, look, I know this doesn't make sense. I, I know I'm probably not going to get sick, or people don't, or I watch everyone else around me, and they seem to be fine, right. and they seem to do it, and they mostly don't get sick, but but what if? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think trying to help people move from a place of the responsible thing to do is to go through my compulsion to saying, no, 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 trusting God actually means letting go of this one. It's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like fighting quicksand. You know, the, the harder you struggle, the deeper you sink. And I've, I've often talked to people about saying sometimes, um, well, sometimes it's probably the right way to put it. For, for you is maybe a better way to put it. For you, 
what faith in God looks like is not wrestling this through in your mind until you've settled this doubt and got your belief back. It's not um, being sure not to, you know, touch those dirty dishes and get sick or, you know, bring germs back to your child or whatever it is you're, you're fearing. It's actually to, to, um, to do whatever the fear is telling you not to do with the sense of, okay, this is how I put myself in God's hands. Right. This is what it means for me to really trust him with my safety, to even trust him with my faith. You know, to recognize I'm not strong enough to muster up the faith I need hour by hour. Faith is a gift. Ephesians 2, he's given us even our faith itself. He really is that powerful. Our call of response is to, is to place ourselves in his hands over and over again. So, so your word pivot, to me, really nicely captures that principle. Now, it's easier said than done, yeah. but I find a lot of times the battle is even believing that that's the right thing. Even mm-hmm. coming to a place where you can say, like, okay, God actually wants me not to do this compulsion. God actually wants me to to say like, okay, that was that was a really unpleasant mental image I just had about this horrible thing I could do to this person I love and care about. Off I go. You know, or e- even if there's going to be a response of prayer, uh, the prayer is, oh Lord, that was so sad. I'm so sad that happened to me again. This really hurts me. Rather than, oh Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't think like right. that. Get me out of here. Get, Get me out of here. Like, right. I think that's, I mean, that's, uh, oftentimes a discussion I'll have with people is how how do you go to the Lord in the midst of those yeah. moments? Because I think too often, I mean, I see this in my own life when when it's, in a sense, non-obsessive anxiety. Anxiety is so often just I'm talking to myself and I'm yeah. whipping myself into a frenzy. Yeah. Um, what would it look like to to actually go to the Lord? I think too often it's get me out of here, take away these thoughts is the most right. common, you know, when I ask, well, how do you talk to the Lord? It's, it's more, mm. get me out of here, uh, take away these thoughts. Well, those are, I mean, those are not inappropriate prayers to take away these sure. thoughts, but it's just as appropriate and more important, I think, to, to say, Lord, be with me. <laughs> Help me to know your presence in the midst of my anxiety yeah. right now. I, I know this is not a realistic fear, but it doesn't seem like it. It, it. it seems like there's a roaring lion right here, and it would be foolish for me yeah. to ignore that. Um, help me now to take that to take that step to, to trust in your care and your provision for me, yeah. and help me to touch the doorknob. Help me to do right. the opposite of what I'm fearing to do. Right. And trusting myself to you, knowing that you don't you don't promise that I'm not going to get ever get sick. Harmed. Right. Yeah, you don't. But but you are trustworthy. You right. love me. I am your son. I am your daughter. And so I'm going to take that that step. Yeah, yeah. I I am um, particular um, conversation I can think of that I've had several times is. The verse where it says, some will trust in horses and some will trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. I, I feel like that's what mm-hmm. you see in action. Is, is mm-hmm. OCD is the experience of feeling like I must trust in horses and chariots. Now, mm-hmm. your horses and chariots might be, could be your bank account. It could be your ability to get out the Clorox. It could be your ability to think through a theological question and articulate a certain passage. It could be your ability to go back and check and see if there's someone lying on the side of the road. It could be your ability to feel horrified enough about that sexual thought you had but, but whatever it is, the, the instinct is to turn and find something I can do, something in myself 
that makes me safe, something in myself that addresses this obsessive thought that's producing such horrible feelings in me. And, and the reason why I, I want someone to be able to touch that doorknob is not just because their life will be easier and, and hopefully less anxious, but also because this is this place where you, you are literally walking out, First Peter 5, 7, cast mm. all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Right. When you touch that doorknob, you're not just doing some mechanical act that reduces your anxiety on some scale, which that may be true over time, but you are actually literally saying, Lord, you are my safety. You are my refuge. You are my hope. I can touch that door handle because you are the guardian of my life. And I, I could die at any moment, and my only hope is in you. I could get sick at any moment. I could lose my job. I could, I could, I could do a horrible thing. Any of us have the capacity as sinners to do horrible things. And our safety is not fundamentally in being able to guarantee we will never cross a certain line of severity of sin. Our hope is actually in a God who not only forgives but restores and redeems even all the horror we see around us. Do we know how that's going to play out? No. Mm -hmm. That's why we're trusting him. Right. And we're much more comfortable when we can say, here's how I know I can keep my people safe. Uh, at the end of the day, God is saying, I want you to be most comfortable, in a sense, quote unquote, with with placing your life in my hands again and again. And, and those who struggle with OCD um, have the opportunity to, to taste the sweetness of his care in this incredibly regular way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an intensive struggle in that direction. I mean, it's so yeah. hard. It is. It really is facing your fears square on, you know, with, yeah. with the Lord, with the Lord's help. And I think there's, there's a way in which that, when I see people doing that and when I'm walking with them, it, it really is like standing on holy ground because it, they are, they are facing the, the what terrifies them. And I think that's um, that's both difficult, incredibly difficult, and um, you know, incredibly beautiful in terms of the way they are ultimately then entrusting themselves to the to the grace and and, and mercy of Christ in those moments. Mm. Mike, let me let me direct us in one last uh, sort of area. We, if I'm hearing you uh, and me both right, I think we're both saying probably the primary action component that you're thinking about, the broadest category, is some sort of, I want to help somebody face their fears. And so there's something they're either doing or not doing mm -hmm. that's the opposite of what their fear is telling them. Targeting that, thinking wisely about where's the, where's the little beachhead we want to establish, you know, but just thinking about where's this place where you can sort of intentionally choose to resist that compulsive instinct um, and, and to, to grow from there with this trust in the Lord. That, that seems the primary category of action. Mm -hmm. And can I maybe just insert Please, there yeah. that one of the examples that we gave in the, in the first podcast was, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're in, the, in the kitchen preparing dinner and you have a knife chopping and you're vegetables. chopping vegetables and you, you have the thought, you know, plunge, plunge the knife into your, into your wife. One of the ways in which, you know, again, the temptation is I'm going to avoid the knife. Right. Uh, but one of the ways in which as you grow in in trust for the Lord, there, there's going to be tangible. Then that actually is tangible love yeah. for your wife. So as hard as chopping that is, to, yeah, to continue to, to, to chop continue to chop. Yeah, her. continuing to chop those vegetables is an is an act right. of, of love. So when I think about it's a it's a growth in trust for God. 
but that also manifests in love for other people. Um, people who are struggling uh, incredibly with OCD will, will describe their lives as very constricted and very you know inward and, and myopic. And so, one of the ways in which um, growth happens is as they turn outward. So, uh, encouraging them to. I mean, sometimes that's what actually turns the tide in a given moment is my love for this person yeah. uh, and service to them actually trumps the fear, say, of contamination or whatever, or fear yeah. of this uh, horrific impulse that, I, that yeah. I've had. And that becomes part of the, part of the pivot. Mm. And in one sense, you're also highlighting how um, a scene, you know, it's always love to chop vegetables and not leave them for your wife to chop, right? But, but when you are chopping them at, at the expense of just this painful inner turmoil of fearing that you're going to do this thing or, you know, fighting that thought and actually choosing to pick up a knife and chop the, like, those, those are some, those are some very expensive carrots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a sweet gift that is. I mean, to give love that is costing you a lot, mm-hmm. um, is just a precious gift to give. And I, I would want some, I think the instinct of the average person struggling with OCD is going to be, what a wretch I am that I'm even struggling with this. Why can't I just chop the darn carrots? Um, and I think it's actually helpful to flip that on its head and say, when you chop the carrots, despite this discomfort, when you open the door handle, despite, when you choose to act out of love for another person, despite the fact that it's costing you much more than it might cost someone else, you are, you're giving this really pricely gift, pricey, priceless gift yeah. to someone. And that, that is actually a wonderful thing. It is. Not, a, uh, not something to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. In that sense, um, so so okay. So action is some form of love lived out, some form of pressing against my fears into the Lord's hands. Do you want to? Uh, I am. Um, I just listened to a, a six-hour podcast the other day, and I don't want this to become one. Um, so, <laughs> but maybe just just one or two thoughts on on scriptures that have been especially helpful to you in thinking through this. Mm-hmm. Places where you would most quickly tend to go with someone. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Psalms are just replete with places that you that you can go because they're 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 I mean they're highlighting the 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 character, the love, the mercy, the faithfulness, the stability of God, um, and also modeling how we go to the one who is all those things. So I think many Psalms do that. I, where he alluded um, to Psalm 121, 139, Psalm uh, 131 is yeah. a is another uh, another psalm that I've uh, that I've gone to. I think sometimes I will um, I'll have people use as as anchor points what's what's true, what's most true about them. Um, Ephesians one, you know, here's this whole. Mm-hmm list of redemptive benefits and mercies of the Lord, mm. um, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit at the end of that passage, mm. Ephesians 1, 13 and, and 14. Um, he, he dwells uh, with, within me. And you know, for someone who's struggling, say, with, uh, with assurance issues or have I committed the impardonable sin, those are, those are harder, that, that's a harder road and, and harder right. um, to, to wrestle through. Um, but but nonetheless, I think those are those are important uh, important places. First Peter one, um, our inheritance. Um, hmm. It's un, un, you know 
unfading, uh, imperishable. So I think highlighting the, the character and faithfulness uh, of God mm. the, uh, and, and modeling how we go to him. The Psalms are great for that. Mm. Um, but then I'm always, uh, I'm, I'm wanting to connect those ultimately to, to Jesus. Um, mm. and because thinking of uh, Romans 8.32, um, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all oh, things? Thanks. So if he's, if he's given us the greatest gift, uh, you know, of all, or in, in Romans 5, if while yeah. we were enemies, <laughs> he did you know, Christ died for us. Yeah. I, I, th- those are places, Romans 8. Um, yeah, now they're just kind short. of coming, yeah, like uh, where I want people to kind of marinate in. And again, that's not, an, that's not automatic. It, right. it, it is... Right. It's real work. Um, by... It's not go memorize this verse and you should be fine. Right. It's you're going to be putting this into practice one pivot at a time, and it's going to be a mixed bag of wins and losses. But it, it's it's your opportunity to to connect your life lived mm-hmm. outside of just your morning devotions into I need this to be true right now. Yeah, and there and I also it's also important I think to. Um, also look for other tangible ways that those realities come into our lives. So through through song, either listening mm. uh, to um, to particular hymns or songs, or singing particular hymns mm. or songs. There's, in one sense, I'm engaging more of who I am uh, in that moment. Are there are there created things as I look around me, tangible objects in my uh, in my living space that remind me that that God is a rock, that He is a fortress. Mm. Um, that remind me of his of his faithfulness as I as I mm. walk outdoors. So, uh, I'm looking for you know different many different avenues um, to highlight the 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 realities that that we see in in Scripture. Mm. Oh, that's that's great, Mike. And I I, uh, I really I'm going to honor my not going to the six hour podcast. Oh, the one I heard was very good, but. Um, if you want to just add one more thing, yeah. Um, we'll some, someone might have a question about well, what about medications um, right. for for OCD? And I would say, in 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 certain situations when um, when the experience is so severe, that is that's an option. That's a um, uh, you know a part of a. It could be part of a, a a holistic way of addressing this issue. So I've. No, I've counseled folks that um, that's been that's been an important part of, in a sense, getting them to a place where they can even more fully engage with the redemptive realities mm-hmm. that we're that we're talking about. But it's interesting if you look at even practice guidelines from uh, from secular psychiatry, unless things are are really severe, they actually don't recommend necessarily medications as a, as a first line. So it's an option, um, and generally the, the, the class of medications that are used would be the, the SSRIs, things like Zoloft and Prozac and the like. But, so I think you know, we, we can have that as an option. It's a common grace um, you know, solution, uh, right. but, it's, but it's only part of, right. uh, of the total way in which we would want to see ministry happen. Sure, and, and, and I, I would hope that we always, in any ministry context, are saying anything that gives me a leg up 
in, in more easily running to the Lord and more easily doing reducing suffering and helping me deal with my own heart and my own fears, that, that, that's a win. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's always a helpful thing. Um, uh, so thank you. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Mike, would you just quickly uh, pray to close us? I'd be glad to. Father, we thank you that you are the trustworthy one. And how do we, how do we know that? Because we've seen it uh, played out on the cross. We've seen it in the the giving of Jesus uh, Christ for our for our salvation, and um, highlighted by the resurrection. Um, this is how we know uh, that you that you are faithful and good and trustworthy. Lord, help us. Um, help us day by day to, to live into those, uh, into those realities. We confess, uh, we confess our unbelief. We, uh, we, we believe, help us overcome our unbelief. And I pray mm-hmm. that particularly for those who are listening, who are struggling uh, with, uh, with OCD, Lord, that you would, by your mercy, um, grant them a sense of your, uh, your compassion, your presence, your faithfulness, your power mm. in their time of need, uh, just as we all need. Mm. We thank you in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Mike Emlett. As always, if you've got thoughts or feedback you want to send our way, just email us at podcast at ccef.org. And if you're interested in further content on OCD, you might be interested in a talk that Mike gave at a conference called Religious OCD, where he kind of zooms in on one particular aspect of the struggle. You can find that uh, by visiting ccef.org slash podcast. Just click the link below today's episode and enter the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening. Until next time, blessings. Blessings.